Father in heaven, please send your Holy Spirit now to be with us as we open your word and as we reflect on these words. Lord, speak to our hearts about boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. So last evening, we were in Acts chapter 3. And we were reflecting on the story in Acts chapter 3 of the time when Peter and John came to the temple... And as they were preparing to go into the temple, there was a man there who was lame that they probably had passed so many times. But something was different this time in the life of Peter and John because chapter 3 of Acts takes place after chapter 2 of Acts. And chapter 2 of Acts is when a very important event took place. That Jesus had said, go to Jerusalem, remain in Jerusalem until the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 2, we have that story on Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers and suddenly they're filled with this boldness. And it is on the heels of this event that chapter 3 begins and, and Peter and John are on their way up to the temple to pray and they encounter the man... And this time, instead of looking around in their pockets to see if they had anything to give the man, Peter, the Bible says, looked him in the eyes and said, look at us. So they looked. So the man looked. And he said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. And the man gets up, and they go into the temple, and, uh, and he's walking, and he's leaping, and he's praising God. You wanted to sing that when I said it, didn't you? You thought of that song. And they go into the temple, and a lot of people gather around them. And Peter and John now are speaking very boldly about Jesus. But this doesn't go over well. And that's where we pick it up at the beginning of chapter 4. Now as they, Peter and John, spoke. Oh, by the way, we don't have the text on the screen today because we didn't do text throughout the week. And uh, we're going to continue that for today anyway. We'll get them back up there for you. But uh, one of the exercises, you're actually going to have to open your Bible yourself. So, so to get you ready for that, if you want to follow along, you can grab the one in front of you or the one you brought. And we're in Acts chapter 4. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now isn't that a sad moment? That leaders in the house of God would be disturbed because someone was in there talking about the resurrection. This is what can happen to us sometimes. Now understand... That, that Judaism had broken into several pieces and one piece was the Pharisees and we know enough about them but another piece was the Sadducees and the priests tended to be a part of the Sadducees group and they had come to a conclusion in their way of handling scripture that the only the only books they were going to pay attention to were the first five the books of Moses 
And they didn't feel like there was anything clear in those first five books that there was going to be a resurrection. So they were in denial of the resurrection, and particularly in the notion that this Jesus, who they had contributed to having killed, had somehow been raised from the dead. And so they were very upset to come upon these men talking about Jesus and the resurrection. So verse 3 says, And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So reflect on this for a minute. Jesus said to them before he ascended to heaven, he said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then he said, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, we're very early here. We're still in Jerusalem. But since the coming of the Holy Spirit to the believers, an amazing thing has happened. The estimate is there were about 120 or so that were left over who still believed in Jesus after he rose from the dead and then ascended. And they gathered together this this fragile little fearful group. And then in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak with boldness and suddenly this little tiny fragile group of fearful believers grew to 5,000. Amazing things can happen in a very short amount of time when the people of God are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what was taking place here. In verse 5, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set Peter and John in the midst, they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? There have been a few times in my life where I got called before the people of authority and power, and they asked me a question something like, What gave you the right to do that? And too often, the that that I did was not what I should have done, and it was not a particularly fun time being in front of all the people of power. There's at least one or two occasions when I did do right, and it is interesting that when those events happen, you have a choice, don't you? You can just kind of give in, or you can stand for what you know is right. This is Peter we're talking about. There was another time when Peter was confronted about Jesus. Do you remember this? It happened on the night before Jesus died. And on this occasion, Peter had just been through a very difficult situation in the garden. And Jesus had not behaved the way he thought Jesus should have behaved. And he did not understand what was going on. And because of his lack of faith this time, oh, it wasn't the great leaders that asked him. No, it was just a servant girl. And some others gathered around when they said, uh, you're, you're one of his followers too, aren't you? What did Peter say? No, no, not me. Not me. If, if you ever lacked in your heart conviction that the Holy Spirit in your life will change everything, I want you to look at this story and what happens here because this same Peter who was afraid of the servant girl is now in front of everybody that matters in Jerusalem and they're saying to him by what power or by what name have you done this 
Verse 8, then Peter, comma, filled with the Holy Spirit, comma, not Peter not filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he fails. But now Peter, comma, filled with the Holy Spirit, but now put your name in there. Filled with the Holy Spirit. It makes a difference. But now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, already offensive, whom you crucified, getting worse, whom God raised from the dead, downright blasphemous now, by him this man stands here before you whole. And to just close the deal, he reaches back and grabs an Old Testament verse from the Psalms and he says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone. Is that the same guy? Do you see what the Holy Spirit does to you? Jesus had used that same illustration. He'd used that same text. It comes from Psalm 118. And it had happened, you can find it in any of the Gospels, but in Luke it happens after Jesus tells the story of the vineyard and how, how the, the workers of the vineyard, uh, when the owner uh, sent to them, had taken all of the messengers the owner sent and he'd beaten some and killed some and finally the owner of the vineyard said, I'll send my son, surely they'll respect him. And, and the workers said, this is the heir. If we kill him, it will be ours. And then Jesus asked the question, what, what will the owner of the vineyard do when he returns? He will throw them out. And they all at that time said, surely not, because, because the ones listening to him knew Jesus was telling this story about them. And then Jesus would quote this very passage. He said, have you not read where it says the stone which was rejected has become the cornerstone? This was apparently impactful to Peter because later on, in his life, he will write a letter, and we have that letter. First Peter is uh, the name we have for it. First Peter chapter 2, he comes back to this idea, to this text. Beginning in verse 4, Peter writes, Coming to him, coming to God, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. I want you to remember that word, precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, so back before Jesus, there was this temple, and the Shekinah glory of God dwelt in this temple. But after Jesus came and died, the, you remember the, the, the veil was torn, the way to the Father was opened up, and the Holy Spirit after this was poured out on everyone. And no longer did the glory of God dwell in this temple, but now through the Holy Spirit, the glory of God was in all who believed and followed after Jesus. 
And Jesus was this chief cornerstone, but each believer had themselves also become a stone, a living stone in this house, and were built up together into a new temple, a living temple, with Jesus as our chief cornerstone. He goes on, verse 6, Therefore, it also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion, this is verse 6, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. There's that word again. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, Jesus is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which also they were appointed. But now listen to verse 9. And this is about, was about them, but it's about you too. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. He, he couldn't just say it in one word. You are chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. And you are God's own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. When the Holy Spirit comes and fills your life, you become a part of this, this holy temple that God is building up. And out of you the glory and the radiance of God will shine. A couple of weeks ago we talked about living water. Jesus said those who believe will become like fountains of living water. If you were here last night, Pastor Julie did a really neat illustration where she had some water and a sponge and she filled that sponge with water. And, and as you held that sponge, she said, now bump into the one that's holding the sponge. And when you bump them, water would spill out of the sponge every time you bumped into them. Okay, when you live your life, you go around and people bump you, right? One way or another. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then it's the love of Jesus that spills out. If you're not, it's a little something else that's not quite so sanctified. This is who God has called us to be. Now let's go back to Acts 4. And so here is Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. He speaks boldly. If you're judging us for doing a good deed, then let me tell you whose name we did it in, just so you'll be clear. Jesus of Nazareth, the one you crucified, the one God raised from the dead, it was in his name that we did this, just so you're clear. And then he adds verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is why Jesus is so precious. He is the one given for us that we might be saved. And there is salvation in no other. Only in Jesus are we saved. And verse 13, Now when they saw 
the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. Isn't that sad to think that they were going to try to deny it? They would have if they could have. Verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Okay, we can't deny that something happened here, but let's scare those guys. Let's get them to shut up about this. We can do that. We're the authority guys. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But see, once you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that's just kind of like gas on your fire, right? But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. If Jesus has become precious to you, then nothing can keep you from speaking of the things you have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So they were threatened. Julie, come tell us what they did. They've been arrested, now they've been let go, they're free. What would you do if you were arrested today? You went through this harrowing experience, maybe a a near-death experience in many ways. What would you feel like doing? Some of you maybe would want to just go as far away as you could. I don't know, maybe go camping somewhere with some of your friends. Some of us, we might just want to hide at home, (laughs) maybe have some comfort food, curl up in a blanket, try to forget everything that had ever happened. What did they do? Look at verse 23. And I want to invite you to do what we've been doing throughout this week, and that is to turn to two or three people around you, form a little group, and read this passage together, Acts 4, 23 through 31. And after you read it together to discuss these questions, What did the believers pray for and why? And what would happen if we share the same experience that they did? So read it together and then talk about those questions and then we'll come back in just a few minutes. And I'll be looking for one response from each side. So be ready to share.
tonight. I'm going to invite you to come back together and someone's going to help us. Gable's going to help us with a mic or Pastor Les, either way. All right. I'd like to know if there's one person on this side and then I'll ask another question maybe on this side. But first question is, what do the believers pray for and why do you think they prayed that prayer? Anybody right here. They prayed for a boldness because with the sharp words of the leaders, they were afraid to preach the word of God. So they asked Jesus to be baptized with the Holy Spirit again, to not be afraid to speak the word. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. They prayed for boldness. Crazy prayer. They could have said, God, thank you so much for keeping us safe and just kept praying that for a while. Please keep us safe. Please help nothing else to happen. Please don't let anything else. They could have called a committee together and said, now Peter and John, we want you to do things a little differently from here on out. We have a little strategy for you to not step on any people's toes and to just keep it more PC and not cause any problems because we value your life and we need you to be able to keep spreading this message and you have families that care about you. Not necessarily bad things. We spent a lot of our lives trying to be safe, trying to be as comfortable as possible. But for these believers, they knew that Jesus hadn't called them to be safe. He called them to be faithful. And so they prayed for boldness. Anyone else, what was the result? And what, what would happen if we would actually be that bold and pray this prayer? What do you think? Anyone else, maybe someone on this side this time. Oh, right here. Um, so the result of them praying the prayer was that they spoke boldly about God and to other people and the place that they were in shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and I feel like um, we should also do that by speak boldly because you can't just like want someone to come to the church but just like be kind of like like lukewarm with it and not like fully be committed with it, but if you're boldly and you're speaking like you mean it, more people would actually want to come and know who Jesus is, and then the, like it will spread, and then more people will become bold, and I feel like it's like a dynamo effect. Mm, amen. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Crazy. It's crazy what happened, and it's crazy to think about what could happen today. They prayed for boldness. These people were crazy. They'd just come back from this experience. And their first response was, Lord, send me back out. Jesus, send us back out, but give us courage because we're afraid. I don't know about you today, but boldness can be a little bit hard. And I'm not being persecuted currently, not in this way that they were, not at all. And I find it scary sometimes even to pray with people, even to bring up something spiritual in a conversation. I remember several years ago, I had a friend, I was probably end of middle school, beginning of high school at the time, a friend, and she started, when we would have our conversations, she would say, let's pray together. And I remember saying, wow, I really admire that, that you're willing to say that. And it started impacting my life, and so I started saying, huh, how can I do that? Charlene, we're talking, actually, can we pray together? And sometimes, and she said, yes, good, Whew. Sometimes people say no, oh no, that's so scary. What's the worst that could happen, right? It can be hard for us to be bold today. 
But I would submit to you that being bold for Jesus, that what it looks like to be bold, to pray for boldness, it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to go climb up here and preach. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get on a street corner or get your picket sign or take a thousand glow tracks and spread them out. If God calls you to do that, praise the Lord. That's between you and God. But maybe boldness means today that we actually start talking to the person who's sitting next to us in the pew. Maybe boldness is inviting someone over for lunch today that you can see is hurting, even though you don't have a whole meal prepared. Or you're not sure, you don't know them very well. It's a little awkward. Maybe boldness means that you have a friend in your life and you know that they're struggling and everybody knows that they're struggling, but no one really knows what to say. And we don't want them to feel judged. Maybe boldness is saying, hey, I love you, I care about you, I'm concerned about you. Is there something going on? Maybe boldness means going home to that family member that doesn't know Christ and being more open about who Jesus is to you. Maybe it's going outside your front door and saying hi to your neighbor, hi to your coworker, and asking God, Lord, send me a divine appointment with this person. I don't know exactly what God may be calling you to today, but I read this prayer, I read this story, and it's amazing. They weren't asking for boldness just so that they could have a fun experience, just for their own glory. They were asking for the glory of God alone. And so Jesus answered their prayer. What kind of prayers are we praying today? What would happen if, like she said, if we would actually have something compelling to share, if we would actually be bold for God? What would happen in this church? Would the ground shake? Would our community shake? Would our families shake to see, wow, I see a change in you? Last night, those of you who were here received a 24-hour challenge. And today's challenge is also for the next 24 hours until tomorrow night, when I hope to see all of you back at 7 p.m. We're having our last night of our days of prayer. 6.30, 30 minutes before, we're having cookies out here. Bring your favorite batch. But between now and then, your challenge is this. Reread this passage. Pray and ask Jesus, help me speak your word in whatever way, through my actions, through listening, through caring, with the love of Christ and holy boldness. And be ready, if you're asking for the baptism of the Spirit, if he's in the driver's seat, be ready when he asks you to do something. But we could just talk about it and we could leave. I wanna invite you to actually pray for that now because I know that I need that prayer. I need that boldness. And so if you look again at this passage, verse 29 and verse 30 of Acts chapter four is really the heart of this prayer. And so if you dare, I invite you to turn to your neighbor and to read this prayer as a prayer to God. Pray it over your friend. You don't have to if you don't really wanna pray that prayer. It's a bold prayer, it's a dangerous prayer, don't pray it. But if you'd like to today, if you'd like to have that experience, I invite you now in this next, next few moments to pray that prayer together. And then we'll close with a prayer all together.
Dear Father, how beautiful it is to hear these prayers ascending to your throne. God, I know that you're eager. It's like you're peering over the edge of heaven with all the angels of all the armies of heaven saying, are they really praying that? Are they really asking me for something bigger? God, we know that you are glorified when we ask you for big things because then people say it could only be God. And wow, he's big. Wow, he's love. Wow, he's good. Jesus, forgive us for our unbelief. Forgive us for our fear. Jesus, I surrender to you. I don't know exactly what praying this prayer is going to mean in my life, but I pray for your help. And so God, with one voice and with one heart, today we cry out to you one more time as a church. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So sometimes, it's good to practice doing something a little bold and unusual. So I want you to grab the little book that sits in front of you, we used to call a hymnal, that we hardly use anymore. And I want you to take it out and open it to hymn number 462. And we're not going to sing with an organ to cover us up. And we're going to sing loud enough so that people near us can actually hear our voice. Julie? You have to come up and sing too because it takes great boldness for you to stand in front and sing. <laughs> and we're going to sing the first verse of Blessed Assurance together. Now don't save us, Joan. Don't save us. Can you give us a note? Okay, that's good. Here we go. Ready? Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washing His blood. story you have a song if Jesus is precious to you you have a story and Julie said that pastor Julie said that uh, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you might not have to come up here and talk well that wasn't true for me I do have to do that but the Lord puts the burden on our hearts, doesn't He, for what He wants us to do? And, and as anybody who's ever done this and been called to this knows, if you don't speak, it's a burning in your bones. You have to say it. 
And I do want to say this. There's some young people out here today who God's going to put that call on your life. Because our church needs you right now. We need you now and we need you five years from now and we need you ten years from now and until the Lord comes, whatever that is. Because because a lot of the ones who've been standing up here and talking aren't doing it anymore because they've, they've reached a point in life called retirement. And if there's not a new wave of proclaimers of this Gospel, I don't know what we're going to do. So some of you young people, in the last days, I will pour out My Spirit on all, fr- on all flesh. Sons and daughters, the Lord is calling me. And everyone here, God is calling you to some sort of, of sharing how precious Jesus is to you. So you want to know what happened to the community after they prayed this prayer for boldness? It's a beautiful thing. I'm only just going to read a little piece of it. And we're actually going to come back to this uh, in the next couple Sabbaths. But, but right now, verse 32 of Acts 4 Now the multitude of those who believed... Now it's a multitude. used to be just a couple. Now it's a multitude. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Okay, so with just a little bit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, there's some power, there's some grace. But with the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes great power and great grace. Shall we be a little bit of power, a little bit of grace, people? Or shall we be great power and great grace? May we accept this challenge. Let's pray. Father in heaven, look upon us right now, and not just as a group. Yes, see us as a group of one heart and one soul. But more than that, Lord, look right now at each one of us. Right now we are open to You. You see our hearts. You know what is true about us. Everyone here, Lord, who is desiring this gift of your Holy Spirit, right now you hear them in their hearts saying, Lord Jesus, in your name, send me your Holy Spirit that I may be bold for you. Lord, to everyone that is crying out in this way today, give this gift of your Spirit. You have said that we know how to give good gifts, But how much more does the Father long to give the Spirit to all who ask? So we are asking that Your Spirit be poured on us and that we would be able to speak with great boldness. In Jesus' name, Amen.